As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster. Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Fact is, I missed this shot. I walk away, I'm still a chunk. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash NBA show to get The Athletic for $1 a month. Western Conference preview, Al! And we just got done watching Grizzlies Warriors, which was just absolutely blew my mind. Al, what, what did you think of that game? The playoffs are set in stone, and like Rachel Nichols said at the end of the game, the youngest team... In 10 years to make the playoffs, the Memphis Grizzlies, it was an incredible game. And you have to shout out the Grizzlies' resilience because they got a lot of stuff thrown at them in this game, including Jonas Valanciunas fouling out late. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, what are they, they going to do? Because they're not, they're not playing Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, they're, they're having to go to Xavier Tillman. Tillman, baby. Who turns out, it's great. It's he good. had a great game. And... I when that went to overtime, I mean honestly, when Steph was bringing it up the court for the final shot, you're thinking, "Wow, we're going to get one of these endings." Yeah. But even when it went to overtime, you're still thinking like the Warriors have this game. Yep. And the Grizz just kept coming, and obviously you have to talk about Ja Morant. I think he had 45 points, but just like relentlessly attacking and making a ton of threes, which is something that uh, we're not used to from Ja. Yeah. It was just an incredible game. Yeah. 35 for Ja. But he was I gave him an extra 10. Yeah, he deserves an extra 10. Honestly, the 45 <laughs> seems more correct than the 35. Yeah, he was just just the poise that he played with throughout that entire game because they were up big in that game. And a lot of times, kind of the the cycle of these NBA games, especially when it's like this older, more veteran team versus a young team, is the young team gets out in front. It's great. The veteran team battles back, and then the veteran team just puts them in a stranglehold the rest of the game and somehow wins the game. 
But the Grizzlies kept battling back. They ended up getting the lead several times. They lose it again, but then they come back and get it again. Like that was very impressive. You had the Grayson Allen back to back threes that were very impressive. And then it was just Ja creating in the half court, uh, just getting just that, just a few inches of space from the defense, which was spectacular tonight from both squads. Uh, and it just came down to tough shot making. I mean, we're talking about an overtime game in 2021 where they only score 117, 112. I mean, that's 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 really something, and that that shows you the kind of defense that was being played and and the the kind of lack of offense from both sides from these guys. Yeah, and I'm sure. I mean, obviously, Grizzlies fans are ecstatic, and we're going to talk to a Grizzlies fan later. But to see this team grow out of you know the grit and grind era that ended a few years ago and to make the playoffs with all these young guys that you drafted just has to feel amazing. So that brings us to our Western Conference preview, Andrew. And what better way to start than with the newly minted 1-8 matchup, the Utah Jazz versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, for all of these matchups, we're going to give you some overview, some betting odds, some some of the injuries going in. We're going to talk about some big questions, some players most likely to, or with the most to win or lose. Let's start off with this matchup, though. There are no odds yet because the game just ended. I have a feeling the Jazz are going to be favored. In terms of injuries, overall pretty healthy. Memphis doesn't have any injuries. Utah, Donovan Mitchell did hurt his ankle a few weeks ago, but he did practice on Thursday for the first time since injuring the ankle, so it seems like he's going to be ready for game one. So what is your big question for this 1-8 matchup? Just that whole time during that game, I just wondered... How far could the fearlessness of this Grizzlies squad push the Jazz? And my gut is, <laughs> really the question is, how far past five games? Because I think, I think these Grizzlies right, can yeah. get one from the Jazz. Now, the resilience, the fearlessness, just the tenacity of this squad, can, that get, can it get them more than one game would be my question. It's going to be tough because you remember a few months ago when we spun that wheel of fandom and we got the Utah Jazz. It just happened to be the week that they played the Grizzlies three times yep. and they beat them all three times without key pieces in all different ways. Mm-hmm. And one thing we're going to bring up later with our guest Keith is this big three-point disparity. Jazz, one of the teams that takes the most amount of th- I think they are number one in the league at three-point attempts per game. The Grizzlies way down the list. And so... You're right. It's going to need to be something else. Those intangibles or jaw getting hot like he did tonight, hitting five threes. Like they're going to have to have something special to beat this Utah Jazz team who is really good. And I don't know if I could push it to six. I don't I, I, I don't think I could say that. Yeah, I know. I don't I don't think so either. But you do have to be excited if you are a Grizzlies fan. And also like a little bit confused because the, the future of this team seems to kind of shift and morph a little bit as this rebuild has gone on. Obviously, John Morant's been the constant. And he's phenomenal. Like, he is a star. Like that guy, you can go ahead and put him in the star category. And now it's, I think you kind of have to figure out what you have with everybody else. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. starting, but only playing 15 minutes in this game. I don't know if that's a trust issue with Taylor Jenkins. I don't know if that's his health or whatever it is. Uh, it's strange. So he's really the piece number two. And then what do you have in everybody else? Everybody else seems to kind of fit in the role player category 
like Dylan Brooks is and Jonas Valanciunas right. are at the top of that, but they're more of the older variety. But then what do you have in these like first and second year players? I think that in the playoffs, you that's where you figure it out. Yeah, that's going to be a great opportunity for them. Um, and it, I think it's going to be a good series. Like we're both, I think we're both going to pick the Jazz in five. Yeah. But this isn't one of those 1-8 matchups where like maybe they could grab a game. I feel like both you and I feel pretty confident that the Grizzlies are good enough to take one game at least from the Jazz. Don't you feel that way? I mean, I could see them sweeping, but I feel confident in the Jazz getting a game. Yeah, this... Oh, sorry, in the Grizzlies getting a game. Yeah, I think the Grizzlies will get a game. And I think some of it is that the the Jazz need to kind of feel this out a little bit, especially with having... Conley and Mitchell come in kind of cold and we, we don't really know what to expect from them. And the Grizzlies are this kind of nice balance of like good enough, gritty enough, tough enough to kind of awaken the jazz without beating them is <laughs> kind of how right. I view it. I think that they're going to rough them up enough to make the jazz kind of wake up and realize who they are the Jazz will push back with the offensive firepower they have. They are also a very gritty team. You know, you look at, obviously, it starts with Gobert, like Royce O'Neal, super gritty. You look at uh, Joe Ingles, a very gritty type of player. D- Derek Favors, uh, Donovan Mitchell fits that mold. So I, I think that they're good enough to awaken the spirit of the Jazz and get them ready for round two. And and that I, that's not a slight at the Grizzlies. This is a part of the process with the Grizzlies is that you you get over the hump and beating honestly beating a good Spurs team, beating a, a good Warriors team, and getting there. Like there's no shame in losing to this team in five. And then you come back next year, more experience. And you kind of, and you learn more of who you have on your squad, and then you have to figure out what else you need to go get, or who you need to develop more, or who needs more shine, like, or how can we get more minutes for DeAnthony Melton after he shows out in Game Two of this series? I don't know, uh, but yeah, I, I'm 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 excited to watch the series and just really just because I I think this Grizzlies team is up and coming, and I love watching these young up and coming teams. So is there a player in this series who you think has the most to gain or lose with a win or a loss? This is the toughest series to say this. We're going to ask this (laughs) question. It gets easier. Right. We're going to ask this question about every series. And this one is just hard to say. If obviously there's a lot like potentially to lose for the Jazz if if they lost this series. It'd be really bad for Mitchell and Gobert. But I just don't really think the potential is actually there for it to happen. Uh, so, like, if we're talking extremes, yeah, that'd be really bad for them, and it would like vault a jaw into like this upper tier where we're asking ourselves weird questions. We're like, is he a top ten player in the league already? You know, I. But I don't think that's going to happen. So when we're talking about in the sphere of reality, I just don't. I th- I think that this is honestly just a sweet spot for both. Right? You get the development on the Grizzlies side, and you get the nice we earned this series kind of thing from the jazz where we fought all season to have the best record in the league and we get a matchup that reflects that you know so i think that's that's right. really more of where we're at and it's the really the only one in the western conference that's like this now one question we definitely can answer is who is the player most likely to have a game named after them a la the pj brown game there's always games like this in every playoff series where a guy off the bench comes in 
maybe hits a couple threes, maybe plays amazing defense on a star player. I think for the Utah Jazz, this, again, is very hard because all of their role players are like, you know all of them. Yeah. They're all very good. So you have to go pretty far down. But I think the obvious choice is George Nyang. I don't know what I just said for his first name. <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> George. Okay, I typed his name... George, I typed his name into Google pronunciation and had been practicing. Clearly failed. Niang, that's who I'm choosing. He's already hit seven threes in a game this season. He's the type of guy who can come in. Maybe maybe there is a game where the Grizzlies get up and, and they're looking for a spark. You know, Quinn Snyder's looking for a spark. I think Niang is the type of player who could come in, hit a couple threes, get the Jazz right back in it. It could become the Niang game. Avoiding it could become, season. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the Grizzlies, and I have to go with my guy DeAnthony Melton. I gave him a big shout out uh, earlier on uh, in the him. season. I love him. I think that he's underutilized, and I think that similar to what the Niang potential game could be if the Grizzlies are down mm. big, throw the ball to DeAnthony. Let him create a little bit. Let him let him go get some buckets and uh, play tremendous defense. Go give it give it to and in terms and. Our next category, the best rivalry in the series. This one was tough, too, because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of drama between these two teams. So I decided to make this the John Hollinger Bowl. Rudy Gobert versus Jonas Valanciunas. John Hollinger came out with his most underrated player column. Gobert was number one. Valanciunas was number six. We got a huge matchup between two underrated guys. And can you imagine if Jonas outplayed Gobert? Could he vault Gobert in the underrated player rankings? That is the best rivalry I could come up with for, the, for this series. You know what? It's it's a reach, and it's the closest thing to a rivalry. <laughs> okay. So in terms of our predictions, it sounds like we're both going Jazz and five. Is that correct? Gentlemen sweep for the Jazz, of course. All right. Lock it in. That takes us to our next series, the number two seed, Phoenix Suns, versus the number seven seed, Los Angeles Lakers. Currently on BetMGM, the Lakers are the favorite. Is the first time a seven seed has been favored in the first round. Minus 150. Phoenix is plus 125. The most likely outcome, according to BetMGM, Lakers in six. Now, there are some injuries to be aware of. The Lakers don't really have any. But DeAndre Ayton has missed the last three games with knee soreness. He's expected back for game one. And then Cam Johnson has missed the last six games with a wrist sprain. He's also expected back. Now, my big question for this is how big of a problem are LA's bigs? This is kind of the thing that we've been talking about when we think about this matchup. And why do we talk about it? Well, the problem starts with Phoenix's big man depth. You obviously have DeAndre Ayton. He's great, starting center, their best rim protector. Again, he missed his last three games with knee soreness. He's only averaged about 30 minutes per game this season. He's played 36 plus in only 10 games this season. But there's a good reason for that, because they have Dario Saric, who's been an awesome small ball center. The Suns were plus 7.1 when he was on the court this season, which is the best number on the team. But the question is, is he big enough to hang with these Lakers centers? Well, in the Suns' first opportunity to answer that question, it was no. Because in the Suns' last regular season matchup with the Lakers, in which LeBron didn't play, and the Suns lost 123-110 to in their first game against that Davis Drummond frontcourt, Frank Kaminsky played 25 minutes to Sarge's 13 minutes. So what they seem to be trying to do is matching the Lakers' size. Is that really the best option? I would say if Aiton can play big minutes, which is not really done this season, and not foul, then yes. But if Aiton's not out there, 
Do I really think Frank Kaminsky is the best option? I don't know, Andrew. I think in that case, I might just rather stick with Dario, the guy that got you there, the guy that has the best on-off rating, and just see what happens. Because I, I just don't want to put this series into Frank Kaminsky's hands. No, that that cannot be the thing. And but then I, but yeah. but listen, Andrew, I I then f- completely flipped 180 because I was like, is it really a problem though? Because couldn't those Suns guards play some of these slow bigs off the court? Did you know? that Phoenix takes the fewest shots in the restricted area in the league. In other words, Lakers bigs are going to have to come out and guard these guys. Mm-hmm. And the Suns are extremely talented and diverse as a shooting team. Did you know, in terms of field goal percentage in the restricted area, they're third in the league. In terms of non-restricted area paint shots, first in the league. Mid-range field goal percentage, first in the league. Corner threes, second in the league. So this is a team that can punish you from anywhere on the court, mm-hmm. and they don't most of their points don't come from that restricted area. So couldn't you play these guys off the court? So now I'm feeling good about the Suns. But then I say, Andrew, but wait, what's the reward for playing these bigs off the court? The Lakers best lineup with AD at center. And so then I felt bad about the Suns again. Yeah. I just keep going in circles. Well, this is, and this is a Chris Paul team. And the good thing about it is like, they're prepared to play playoff basketball. They play really slow. They play in the half court a lot. They generate shots in the half court. This is a team that has been a top top 10 offense and defense this season. They have that going for them. The Lakers don't have that going for them. But the problem is looking at regular season stats for the Lakers versus the Suns is just not the best way to look at it, right? Like what do you I just don't know what to believe about any of the Lakers regular season stats. Uh, I just have to believe in what I've seen from both LeBron and Anthony Davis in the past. And to me, it's all about the health of those two. If those two are healthy, I believe the Lakers will advance. If they are slowed down, and we saw LeBron in the first half of that play-in game against the Warriors, he didn't look great. He looked slow. He looked heavy. And if he plays like that, certainly the Suns have a chance. And I don't know how many people have picked the Suns. I think actually John Hollinger, who you mentioned earlier, picked the Suns in seven, which is one of the only people I've heard that is actually picking the Suns. But, man, at the end of the day, it's still LeBron. It's still Anthony Davis. And you have to acknowledge, we talk about Chris Paul, and he's the point god, he's all these things, but Chris Paul has had some playoff flubs, right? Like That's happened through the years. And I don't know. I mean, I just... I have to trust my my gut here with the Lakers that they will figure stuff out. And they have a great coach in Frank Vogel. They have lots of different tools at their disposal. Uh, they, they have, I think Kuzma has been very good this year and has gotten better. Alex Caruso has been a great two-way player for them. Uh, KCP was, was their third best player in the bubble last year. And he shot 41% from three on the season. So I think that they've got enough guys and it's really all about Frank Vogel hitting the right buttons when it comes to these big guys and also how they react. Cause last year he got all the big guys to do whatever he wanted without any big explosions. And are they going to be able to do that with this crew as well? Cause they, I mean, they put Marcus all out to dry, you know, for the most part, last part of the season, Andre Drummond has played a lot. If, if Andre Drummond gets played off the court, 
Like how how does that affect team chemistry? How does it affect the vibe? I think it's probably fine, but we don't <laughs> yeah. we don't know. We don't know. A right. part of a part of him joining the team was that he was supposed to start. So so to me, it it still all falls back on star players, and it's can Chris Paul and Devin Booker outplay LeBron and AD? And I think that the auxiliary pieces on both squads are going to put up enough points and play good enough defense to where it it can really be boiled down to that. And that's why I still just lean Lakers. Yeah, yeah, and I'm leaning Lakers as well. But you mentioned your confidence that they'll figure it out. You know, usually when we say that, it's a team who is like a one seed or a two seed, and they're hoping to figure it out against some seventh seed or eighth seed. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to figure it out in a seven-game series against this Suns team, who I think is really good, is going to be a lot tougher, which is one of the reasons why I'm picking this series to go a little bit longer than I might have otherwise. Now, who is the player with the most to gain or lose in this series? We went with Devin Booker. Now, obviously, his reputation has already increased based on last year's bubble run, but it hasn't happened in the playoffs yet. And it would go to another level, not just if it happened in the playoffs, but if it happened in this scenario where the Suns beat the Lakers and LeBron. I mean, it would catapult him up into, you know, who who would be there? Like like kind of the Donovan Mitchell, like the guys who we've seen it get it done in the playoffs. Yeah. You could put him above Donovan Mitchell. He beat LeBron. He beat LeBron. No one picked him to beat LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, well, he does does he really have anything to lose? And maybe he doesn't, but you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about this idea that CP3 could technically become a free agent this summer. And if he sure. left I do think there's a potential there where this Suns team kind of moves back. Like they're not they're not the two seed next year if oh, Chris Paul no. isn't on this team. No chance. Um, so that that would be the potential to lose. I mean, listen, the Lakers are favored. I think most people are expecting the Lakers to win. So I think this is still going to be a great season for Phoenix, whether they win or lose. And I expect it to be a long series. Um, but we'll see. So who is your player most likely to have a game named after him? a la the P.J. Brown game. What about for the Suns? I've got Jay Crowder. I mean, the guy's Jay been a, a, a playoff performer. He's defended LeBron a lot. And so not only the three-point shot making, like he's got the potential to put up, you know, five or six threes in a game. The The defense, too. And he's and he's loud. He's vocal. He's he's a guy that you always notice on the court. So I think that, yeah, Jay Crowder is is one of those guys. And for me, on the Lakers, I'm going with Mark Gasol, a guy who hasn't been okay. playing many minutes lately. But when I look at the Lakers centers, which one, if they're going to play one of those three, which one actually scares me the most for the Suns? It would be Mark Gasol, because he's the only one who can stretch the floor, potentially pulling DeAndre Ayton, your best rim protector, away from the rim. And I just think that could be more problematic than just allowing DeAndre Ayton to you know, body up with Andre Drummond or, or even Montrez Harrell. So I think Mark Gasol could come in. He's had one of these games recently where he came in. It was basically a Mark Gasol game, kind of like a rejuvenation game. So I could see that happening in the playoffs as well. What do you think is the best rivalry in this series? It's hard to say. I mean, you could talk about Chris Paul, LeBron, but it's hard to call it a rivalry when you know they probably aren't going to defend each other very much or match up very much. So... I kind of this is kind of a stretch too. <laughs> There's been some stretches here, but maybe it's LeBron versus the the wing defenders on the Suns. 
So against Tory Craig since 2017-18, uh, I found this on the the Suns Reddit page. Tory Craig uh, has held LeBron to 36 percent field goal percentage. Wow. Uh, Mikael Bridges. Uh, since he's been in the league defending LeBron, has held LeBron to 37% field goal percentage. Mm. So that tells me that like these guys, and, and both of those guys aren't super stout. Craig, obviously, more than Bridges, but they're just long, pesky defenders and guys that are willing to put in the work. And so I think also Jay Crowder is going to get some time on him. He's he's shot fifty four percent against Jay Crowder, you know, in the last like five years. So it's not quite as impressive. But you throw these lanky defenders, and you can throw them lots of different looks too, which is which is something that I think goes maybe underrated with the Suns is that not only can the Suns, you know, kind of match up defensively okay with with the Lakers. But they also have multiple defenders to throw at LeBron. So you're, it's not just a steady diet of Jay Crowder. You're going to throw him uh Torrey Craig and Mikel Bridges. And, you know, I, I think that that to me is is one of the things that the Suns have going for them. So a team full of LeBron stoppers. That sounds pretty good, Andrew. So what is your prediction for the series? I've got Lakers in seven. Man, that's what I have as well. It I went is, back okay. and forth. When I initially started, I started with Suns and seven. Then I moved to Lakers oh. and seven. Then I went Lakers and six. And now I'm back to Lakers and seven. Who knows? By tomorrow, I could be Suns and seven. Yeah, it's just really so like hard to pick up against LeBron and AD in round it one. Is. It's just really hard. I, and I pick, I pick him in seven as almost like a hedge because I, I do really believe in the Suns squad. And I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Lakers. I really would not be surprised. But at the same time, I just have to lean Lakers with the amount of playoff history that LeBron has and the fortitude that he has. I just cannot imagine him going out in round one. Oh, I had some time to kill today. And I I went through every single player on both of these teams' rosters and counted up the playoff games. 703 for the Lakers, 284 for the Suns. That's the thing about the Suns. Okay. Like, I mean, you have the Chris Paul component, but they're still very young. It's still a very young, super inexperienced young. squad. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. First playoffs for most of these guys. Okay, let's move on to the 4-5 matchup. Los Angeles Clippers, Dallas Mavericks. Currently, the Clippers are favored, big favorites. Minus 375, Mavericks are plus 300. The most likely outcome, according to BetMGM, Clippers in five. (laughs) Now, in terms of injuries, Clippers' only injury is Amir Coffey. Dallas has Maxi Kleba, who has missed the last two games with an Achilles injury, but he is now probable for game one. And then J.J. Redick, 
who has missed the last three games with a heel injury. He's unlikely to play until at least game three. What is your big question for this matchup, the Clippers and the Mavs? So my question is, can the Mavericks make this a close series? Can we can we take this to a six or seven game series? I, I look at this, just the resumes for both of these teams and you know, dug through all the stats, and I just cannot find evidence to say that I believe that the Dallas Mavericks can beat this team. However, I do think that if we if you dig in a little bit and really specifically point to Paul George in in series that get tight, that's where I believe the window starts to open up a little bit for the Dallas Mavericks. If this is if if we get down to like an elimination game in five, like I'm, I just say it's over. I think it's over. But if we get six or seven, I'd worry a little bit if I'm the Clippers. If if Luca's on and if specifically Porzingis can show up, I think this Mavericks team will have a chance if they can push it. If they can sneak a game in early, like if they can come out and win game one tomorrow, which is today. If you're listening today, if they can win today and then maybe grab the first game uh, at home, like, I think that there's a chance that they can push this. And then you just don't know what you're going to get out of Paul George. So I went back and looked at all of the elimination games for Paul George uh, in the last five seasons. So last year, 2020 in the bubble game seven against Denver, he's four of 16, two of 11 from three, 10 points, four boards, two assists. Not great. 2019, Game 5. This is the Damian Lillard waving goodbye, hitting a three in PG's eye, uh, Portland OKC. He was 14 of 20, 3 of 8 from 3, 36 points, 9 boards, 3 assists. Great. Showed up. He was really actually pretty good in that game. 2018, Game 6. This is not, mm, not quite as good. Utah OKC, 2 of 16, 0 of 6 from 3, 5 points, 3 boards, 8 assists, 6 turnovers. In an elimination game yeah, in Utah. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. we experienced that. Uh, 2017, game four, swept by the Cavs. The Pacers were 5 of 21, 3 of 9 from 3, 15 points, 7 boards, 6 assists. 2016, game seven against the Raptors. Pacers, Raptors, 8 of 18, 4 of 7 from 3, uh, 26 points, 12 boards. So in the last five elimination games for Paul George, he's 36% from the field, 29% from three, averaging 18.7 boards, four assists. So if you can push this team and you can get Paul George to an uncomfortable position, I think it's possible to beat this Clippers team. That's the hope they have. However, I don't have, I have minimal hope that they can push them to that brink. Yeah. And, I think one of the tough things about this matchup is you want to look back at last year's playoffs because obviously these teams just played, but there were so many things that were different about these teams back yeah. then. I mean, just from Dallas's side, to be fair for, fair to them, they didn't have Jalen Brunson. They didn't have Dwight Powell. Chris mm-hmm. Perzingis was ejected in game one and then didn't play games four through six with an injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're coming into this deeper and healthier, even with the Kleba in- injury. And then the Clippers just feel like a completely different team with the new coach, the new bench. You know, we were all excited about Montrez and Lou Williams because they were top two in six man of the year last year. Turns out maybe that's not what you want in the playoffs. They've replaced those guys with guys that are maybe a little bit more playoff tested, Serge Ibaka, Rajon Rondo. 
And so I think it's going to be a completely different series. Um, I think there is, however, a very obvious player with the most to gain or lose in this series. And we didn't choose Paul George because I don't know, even if Paul George won, it's not like, <laughs> like even if he played really well, it's not like he would swing the narrative yet. He can swing the narrative in this playoffs, but it's not going to be in the first round against Dallas. No, it's so, got to be conference finals or better, right? Yes, exactly. Him, so I went with Chris Stapps, yeah. Porzingis. He, again, he missed games four through six last year, ejected in game one. He is currently healthy. And I think that if they won, they beat this Clippers team who's heavily favored and he played well, it would quiet some of those ongoing rumors regarding his long-term fit with the Mavs. Whereas if they lost, especially if they lost in what MGM is predicting in five, I think you're going to hear a lot of Chris Stapps talk this summer. So that's why... I think he is the player with the most to gain or lose. How about player most likely to have their PJ Brown game? What about for the Mavs? This is my guy. This is probably the guy of the season in the NBA. It's Jalen Brunson. And I, I'm season. predicting it will happen. I will I will predict this will actually happen. In wow. Call the game. That, what game number? Game. Let's just say game three. Yes. Game three. I think the Jalen Brunson game, the Jalen Brunson game. He's going to come off the bench. The Mavs are going to be sluggish. They need a lift. Jalen Brunson's going to rise and he's going to take over the game. He's just a bowling ball toward the rim. He makes good decisions. Uh, Just your typical Villanova guard. He's great, man. I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of Jalen Brunson and what he's been able to do with the Mavs. And he's also your classic Mav, right? Like how many of these tiny little point guards are going to be just awesome oh, for the he's Mavs? He's Mavs. just a he's he's a he's just a great Maverick. I love him. And on the other side, my PJ Brown game for the Clippers, Terrence Mann. Yes. We saw him just a few games ago against the Thunder. <laughs> Looked very good, although what does that mean? But he's been good for them all season, and he's the type of player who he's probably not going to get big minutes in this series. But if there's a game where the Clippers get down again and they need a spark, like that is the guy who's going to come in and make stuff happen. He's been doing it all season. There could definitely be a Terrence Mann game. Now, this is the easiest, best rivalry we've had. Rondo mm-hmm. versus the Mavs. Don't, you know, ignore what Carlisle, because he, he, he came out on Tuesday he, he, talking about Rondo, said, I have great respect for him. He has been very respectful of both the Mavericks organization <laughs> and me since he left. I always go out of my way to say hello to him whenever we cross paths. Rondo said something similar about how he has nothing but respect for the Mavs. Listen, back at the end of 2015, the team, this is re- reported that the team made up an injury to send him to the bench and the players... The Mavericks players opted not to give him a playoff share. That doesn't seem like something that you just forget, which is why I think this is still a rivalry, regardless of what they're telling us. I mean, Rachel Nichols did an interview with Rondo after that, saying that he almost retired after that because of the catastrophe in Dallas. It was so bad that only two teams called him that offseason. Nobody wanted him. So I think think there's still some fire there. Obviously made that trade for Lou Williams at the deadline. I'm excited to see Rondo versus the Mavs. Let's go to our predictions. Originally, even before I saw the Bet MGM thing, I was going to pick Clippers in five. And I felt bold saying that until I saw that that was the best odds. Yeah. But then today, two things. One, we heard Maxi Kleba's probable, which I do think is very important, especially sure. on defense. And then the other thing was that they're going to have full capacity crowd. 
So both of those things, I gave him a half win, which bumps it up to six. So now I'm going with Clippers in six. <laughs> Probably doesn't make the Mavs fans feel any better. but No. I'll stick with Clippers in five. I just, okay. I just, I think that honestly, this is probably one of the more volatile series that's going to happen in round one because I do think that there's something will happen as a result of whatever goes on in this series. If if the my prediction becomes correct, I do think the Mavericks have to take a good hard look at their roster and figure out what they're going to do around Luca and know that this team is not going to get them there. If somehow this Clippers team gets pushed to the brink and they lose Ooh, because Paul George, you know, turn turns up another Paul George elimination game. Like that's catastrophic for them. Oh yeah. We thought last year was bad. Absolutely catastrophic. So I'm, I, I think that this is one of the, you know, whatever happens, this is, this is a series to watch because I think it affects the league. It affects them. All right, and our final series, the one I am most excited to watch, the three-seed Denver Nuggets versus the six-seed Portland Trailblazers. Bet MGM, Portland is favored. Minus 120, Denver plus 100. That's basically a coin flip, though. This is really close. Most likely outcome, according to Bet MGM, Blazers in six. Now, in terms of injuries, Zach Collins remains out, although I did read a note that he may return if they make a deep run, which is nice. Haven't seen him all year. For Denver... So many wings are out. Obviously, Jamal Murray. P.J. Dozier is still a ways out. Will Barton, they announced that he's going to be out for game one with a hamstring. And then Austin Rivers now is questionable for game one with an illness. So my big question for this series was, do we trust the Blazers' late season run, specifically their defense? Now, we know that this is not a good defensive team. They were second in offense, 29th in defense, only a plus 1.8 net rating, which was 12th in the league. Their defensive efficiency number was 115 Point three, But they've gone on a very nice stretch where they were 10-2 and two in their last 12. More importantly to me, I, was, I looked up the lineup data for their starting lineup. First of all, would you believe that that starting unit is the 11th most played five-man unit this season, despite only having Powell for half the season? They're almost wild. top 10 in minutes played. Furthermore, would you believe that they have the third best net rating among five-man units that have played at least 300 minutes. And you look at their defensive rating, it's 104.8. And it's not like they haven't played that much. Again, this is a top 11 five-man unit in the league. They have been very, very good defensively compared especially to what we usually are used to with Portland. Their defensive efficiency is 115.3. Now, coming off the bench, this is where like the defensive matchups start screwing with my head because <laughs> Stotts has favored offense over defense off the bench lately. Yeah, You know, main three guys off the bench have been Mello, Cantor, and Anthony Simons. Not yeah. a lot of defense there. Does that change at all in the playoffs? Because he still does have Derek Jones Jr. He has Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Those guys have played sporadically. I'm yeah. also really interested in the defensive matchups in the starting unit because Denver's talent kind of skews big. Portland's talent skews 6-3 and under. So for Portland's side, like, Norm Powell is going to have to guard Michael Porter Jr., and he's giving yeah. up about seven inches, probably. He's got the wingspan, though. He does have the wingspan. He's a plus wingspan guy. And then for the for D- uh, Denver, how is Aaron Gordon best utilized defensively? Yeah. Like, do you stick him on one of these guards, or do you let him kind of roam and just kind of hang out near Robert Covington and play those passing lanes? I'm really interested to watch both of those things and how it plays out. Yeah. 
And you say Stotts kind of favors offense over defense. I think it just favors like useful players over unuseful players. Is how I would be. Oh, that. you don't think Derek Jones Jr. could be a little useful? I don't know, man. I mean, maybe, maybe a little, maybe a little bit. Maybe you use him just for his athleticism. I just don't think he's a great defender. And then Ronde has just been kind of bouncing around as a guy that like really can't make a rotation. So, like, Melo's been legitimately good. I think over this last stretch, he's he's shooting like over fifty percent from three. Yeah, yeah, and, and like. We we know the limitations of all these guys, but like, they all have potential to come in and score like 15 points off the bench like pretty easily, which they do is and which is something that a lot of teams don't have. You watch the game tonight; those teams would have killed to have somebody to come off the bench and score 15 points, and they've got several guys that can do that. Yeah, that that scoring depth. I mean, how many guys on this Blazers team could you theoretically imagine scoring like 25 points in a playoff game? It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, everybody it's in the starting lineup, dudes. right? And then those three guys. Yeah, probably not Covington, not- but yeah, those three guys. Yeah. 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 Co- but Covington can put it like Covington can have the odd game where he puts up a lot of threes. Right. He can get hot. Um, now, who do you think is the player with the most to gain or lose in this series? Gosh, it's got to be Jokic. Like this, and this is horrible because it's none of this is his fault. Like this is just like bad injury luck. Number one, Jamal Murray. I, I think that this this last stretch with the Nuggets has made us forget a little bit about Jamal and how impactful he is and how great he was in the bubble because he really was that good for them, and he really was the guy that helped carry them to where they eventually got. Got because I mean they they almost didn't make it out of the first round last year. Yeah, I mean, they, it was just they were a shot away. They were a Mike Conley shot away from not getting out of round one last season. And I think without him and without Will Barton and I, I don't, can't even believe I'm saying this sentence, but without Austin Rivers to start the series. I mean, who is it? He's he and Michael Porter Jr. are going to have to be absolute monsters to get there. And the and the good thing for Denver is they have that capability. Like both of those guys have that in them to get there. It's just really difficult whenever you have this team on the other side that has the, they're the best offense in the league since the trade deadline. They're really hard to stop. They have lots of guys that can do it off the dribble. They do it in multiple ways. They hit deep threes, they drive to the lane. Those guys can I mean CJ is a guy that can kill you in the mid-range. So they're not giving you just one thing they're giving you everything on the offensive end then you bring in Cantor, who's an offensive rebounding machine and and Nurkic is that too like you just there's no rest anywhere for the Denver defense which is already going to struggle anyways against this difficult team I mean it's just it's a bad draw and all that to say it will still all fall on the shoulders of Jokic and it will look very Dirk Nowitzki-esque right Right. Oh yeah, totally. Would I mean, very much remind me of that. The um, the very lame narrative that is so strong this year about like is Jokic really the MVP? I mean, that would just get kicked up another yes. notch like, if he well, lost. What were we doing? Round. We should have had LeBron. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, we should have picked Steph, who didn't even make the playoffs. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing? Oh, should have been Embiid. What were we doing? And the truth is that he's the absolutely the MVP of the regular season. And you're right, it would kickstart just wild narratives about him that he would have to overcome 
which is which really sucks because like the the real narrative is the best player to play basketball this season had basically all of his good teammates get hurt. Right. And yeah. that's oh, the story. I mean, I remember about a month ago when Zach Lowe on Low Post said that if Denver was healthy, he was prepared to make them his Western Conference pick. And yeah. that's how I was feeling at the time, too. And I was so into this Denver team. And then it all just falls apart. And it's fallen apart even further than that, as we pointed out with all the other uh, perimeter injuries they had. Yeah. Now, in terms of the best rivalry, this was an easy one, as it turned out. Carmelo versus the city of Denver. Melo is playing his first playoff basketball game in Denver since 2012. Wow. In for today's podcast, I was listening to some fan podcasts, and this came up in every single one to the point where I was like, oh, I didn't realize there was still so much beef. But it sounds like they'll be booing Melo every time, which I think is great. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And that kind of leads me into the player most likely to have the P.J. Brown game. I mean, Mello's probably too big of a name for this, but it probably should be Mello because if there was a Mello game in Denver, oh. I mean, that'd be that'd Gosh. be amazing. Yes, and it would be called the Mello game easily because there's some of these guys that are like too far down that you would you wouldn't even call it that game. You'd be like, oh, remember that one guy? What did he do? Oh, who is he? I don't know. But if it's Mello, Mello, I oh, mean, Mello game. Yeah, Mello all the way. What about for Denver? Who who of of kind of like their random guys outside of like their yeah. top three, do you think could have a big game? I mean, Compazzo is, is is a is a lovable character. Is he going to have a blow up game? That's certainly possible that he could do that. Uh, outside of that, uh, who's excited? Like, <laughs> you a big Shaquille Harrison fan? Um, no, I don't know. They just don't have a lot of weapons on here, Al. I feel like if Compazzo has a big game, it'll be like that game when, uh, remember, it was probably like 2016 when uh, Matthew Della Vadova played really good defense on yeah, Steph Curry. Yes. And Steph, I think, still had a good game. <laughs> like Steph still put up a bunch of points, but it kind of became the Della Vadova game. Oh, he's so gritty. He's right. jumping for the ball. <laughs> I feel like Compazzo could have one of those type of games. Yeah, he's, he's probably their only candidate because everybody else, they don't have a choice but to contribute. They just don't. They don't have enough room for error for them to like <laughs> right, have a game. Yeah. Like every game has to be the Michael Porter Jr. game. Oh, if they're for gonna sure. win this series. Absolutely. Like, every every game. single game. Yeah. He needs that probably average like close to 30. That's uh, man, he really he's it's gotta be 25 plus. Like it really yeah. does if they're gonna win this series. And it's possible. And that's the thing about it, is that we we're gonna really figure out what they've got in him. And they've held on to him. He's a guy that they probably could have traded for somebody else, right? They could have had somebody that's more win now, but they continue to hold on to him, which I think is the right decision because you just you cannot go out and get a 6'10 forward that can score at will, that shoots threes like him, that can create like him, that you just you can't ever go get one of those guys, especially in a market like Denver. You'll never be able to go get one of those guys. And they got him in the draft. I think they're doing the right thing. And even if it doesn't work out, even if he scores 17 points per game and they lose in five games, they're still doing the right thing because he's still got to learn. Like He has to learn. He's still only 22 years old. We forget how young this Denver team is. They've been through a lot together already. We forget how young some of these guys are. 
and that this is a part of like the growing pains in the NBA. And so there's to me there's like no shame in this Denver team falling, especially even if it is Michael Porter not looking great. It, to me, it doesn't determine anything for his career or for what the Denver Nuggets should or shouldn't do in the offseason. So that brings us to our final predictions. Now, everything in recent history is telling me I should make sure this goes to seven because four of Denver's last five playoff series have gone to seven games. Yeah. But I am bucking that trend, Andrew, and I am taking the Blazers in six. Okay. Yeah. This was a really tough one for me because I really do think that Jokic has been the best player in the league. And a lot of times the best player in a series will win you the series. But I just can't help but look at what the Blazers have put together. And so I'm going to go Blazers in seven. All right. So that brings us to the end of the Western Conference playoff preview. Do we agree on every single series? Yes, we do. That's so unfortunate. Okay. I think we covered it, Al. And on the other side of this break, we're going to bring on Keith Parrish of Fast Break Breakfast to do some NBA trivia. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'd like to welcome in Keith Parrish of the Fast Break Breakfast Podcast. And also on the Daily Ding, if you've been listening, you've heard Keith's voice on there the past couple of weeks. Keith, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, Andrew. Glad to be here with you. Keith, first off, yes. what is going to be your breakfast, your playoff breakfast? This is very important. This is how you start the day, the day of the playoffs. What are you eating? It'll be a Saturday morning. I hope to start it off with donuts. Maybe take the kids uh, to go pick up some donuts from my favorite spot uh, over in Nashville. Bring the donuts home. Uh, enjoy playing with the kids. And then very early in the day, say, sorry, guys. Time to go watch basketball. Right. <laughs> All right, Keith. Well, we are thrilled to have you here. And it is time to play the fastest growing game on this podcast. Andrew versus the Beats. Now, typically, we would spin a wheel and I would ask trivia questions about a specific team. You might say, oh, this might be a great week for the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, it's not. <laughs> this is a regular season edition of trivia. So these are all questions about stuff that just happened. It should be fresh in your mind. Now, Keith, if you don't know how this works, the whole point of this game, at least in the host mind, is to embarrass Andrew and make him lose, which I've been very successful at. I think he's 0-10-1 
so far. But this might be some of the most even footing he has ever been on because it's not about a specific team. So to make it a little bit more uneven, I did include one question about the Memphis Grizzlies that I have a feeling you will know and that Andrew will not know. So how this is going to (laughs) work. You're welcome. Uh, So how this is going to work, there are eight trivia questions. You're going to give me a number between one and eight. That'll correspond to a trivia question. It may be super easy. It may be very hard. You won't know. If you get it right, you get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one point. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been answered. So, Keith, you're going to start me off with a number between one and eight. Let's go with number one. Great pick, because that is the Memphis Grizzlies question. Here it comes. Prior to moving to Memphis from Vancouver, a U.S. company offered the Grizzlies owner $100 million to move the team to Memphis and change the team's name to this. What was the $100 million name? I will give you some, I'll give you five options and you will tell me the correct answer. The Colonels, the Express, the Energy, the Blues, or the Drillers? Before you gave me the options, I was thinking Express, so I'll go with Express. That is absolutely correct for two points. Of course, FedEx is based uh, right there, and so they wanted to name them Express. I was looking up other sports teams throughout Memphis history. Did you know that there was a baseball team named the Fever Germs? So the city of Memphis had its population destroyed by six different yellow fever outbreaks lasting from 1828 to 1879. More than 7,000 people died. Less than 15 years after that outbreak stopped, they decided to name a baseball team after what killed them, the fever germs. (laughs) I thought that was pretty cool. Nice honor. Okay, so now it's Andrew's turn. Andrew, choose a number between one and eight. Uh, Let's go four. Number four. This season... The NBA set an all-time record for triple doubles in a season with 142. Only two of those 142 were not the traditional points, rebounds, assists triple double. One was achieved with 10 steals and one was achieved with 10 blocks. Who were the two players that accounted for those non-traditional triple doubles? And for this one, I will give you one point per correct name. TJ McConnell. That is correct for one point. And Clint Capella. Wow, that is also correct, Andrew. We have a tie game, maximum amount of points, two to two after two questions. So that was question number four. Okay, so it goes back to Keith. Keith, you're going to give me a number between one and eight. Five. Number five. And by the way, some of these questions, I got some help from Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press, who wrote a very nice article about the regular season. Okay. Which current playoff team had a total point differential of plus two this season? Only the sixth time in league history that a team finished the season with a point differential that small. They're a current playoff team. Total point differential plus two. I would go with the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Which team had a point differential of plus two? Oh my word. Added up all their points. They only scored two more than their opponents. Doesn't seem very good. We've narrowed it down to 15 options for you. Yeah. Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics for one point. That is incorrect. Would you believe it was the Miami Heat? 
Huh. Wow. The Miami Heat. Yeah. Very interesting. Shout out to Tim Reynolds. Okay, Andrew, it is your turn. Choose a number between one and eight. Number two. Number two. Okay. Who was the only rookie to win a Player of the Week award this season? Who was the only rookie to win a Player of the Week award this season? Anthony Edwards? That is incorrect. I have a feeling Keith knows. He was laughing the whole time. What is it, Keith? Detroit's Sadiq Bay. That is correct for one point. He came off the bench wow. all week in those games. Uh, he averaged like 20 minutes per game and like 17 po- points per game. It was the strangest player of the week award ever. I tweeted about it so many times, so I got lucky on that trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we go back to Keith, who currently has the lead. Question between one I and think number six. Number six. The trade deadline was an eventful one this season, especially if your first name happened to be this, as every player with this first name in the league was involved in a trade on deadline day. Gary. That is correct. Gary Trent Jr., Gary Clark, and Gary Harris all were traded on trade deadline day. It is now 5-2. to two. Andrew. Andrew. Gary. We're in a familiar position. You have fallen behind. Oh, no. But we've, we've still got three questions left. Three okay. questions left. Here we go. Uh, number three. Number three. Okay, this one we're going to go back and forth. There were only 11 players in the league who appeared in all 72 games this season. We're going to try to name them all. So Andrew's going to start us off. Give me a name. Then we're going to Keith. We'll go back and forth until one of you fails, or maybe you'll get all 11. I doubt it. Oh, gosh. Ow. So, Andrew. Andrew. Well, come on. Super easy. Appeared in Julius, all 72 Julius games. Julius Randle. And we're starting off with a no. <laughs> now, Ouch. Keith, you have to give me at least one in order to get this one point. Can you give me one? Nikola Jokic. That is correct. The MVP, Nikola Jokic. Now, Andrew, I thought you would have gotten Zubats. We just watched him. Oh, dang it. I saw him tank those for first three seconds. seconds. Yes. We logged 0.6 seconds. I'm just so mad about it. Oh, brother. All right, Keith, we have uh, questions seven and eight left. Uh, I'll take number eight. Okay. Now, this has never happened on Andrew versus the Beat. This is a new type of question. I'm going to explain it to you first, and then, and then we'll do it. The question is, this number was the most popular jersey number in the NBA this season, worn by a total of 28 players at some point during the NBA season. Now, before you guess how we're going to do this, I'm going to ask Andrew to take off his headphones so that only Keith can hear me. I'm going to start naming players who had this jersey number. Uh, And I'm not going to give you time to guess. So as soon as you know it, as soon as you know it, shout it out, okay? But but also, you want to be very sure that you get it right because Andrew's going to come back on. I'm going to do the okay. same thing. We're going to compare how many names okay. it took. Yep. So here we go. Greg Whittington, Trent Forrest, Justin Robinson, Jeremiah Martin, Elijah Bryant, Devin Dotson, Shaq Harrison, Jameis Ramsey, Tori Craig, it, our, Trey... Is it three... That is correct. Okay. Okay. 
So Andrew, Andrew, come back. Come back. Put your headphones on. And Keith, you can leave your headphones on for this part. Okay. So Andrew, Keith got a yes. score of nine. Okay. Okay. You have to do better than nine to get these points. Greg Whittington, Trent Forrest, Justin Robinson, Jeremiah Martin, Elijah. Oh, three, three, three. Whoa! Oh, what? What? Yeah. what? Who? How'd you get it? Justin Robinson. Justin three. Robinson? Wow. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay, Andrew. Once again, you cannot win, but you can come within one if you answer this final question correctly. Okay? Okay. Okay. Everyone knows about the dramatic improvement of the Knicks defense from last season to this season. Under Tom Thibodeau, the Knicks jumped from 23rd in defensive efficiency to fourth overall. That wasn't the biggest year-to-year jump, however. What team jumped from 26th in defense last year to fifth this season? The Warriors. That is correct. Wow. And our final score, congratulations to Keith. But a great comeback from Andrew, 6-5 to five on Andrew versus the Beat. Shoot. Keith, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for beating me by just a little bit. Oh, I'm, I'm so relieved to not be your, your first uh, victory. <laughs> I, felt, I felt more pressure this week because I wasn't against a beat writer. Uh, make sure that you follow Keith on Twitter at Fast Break Break. Make sure you listen to his podcast, Fast Break Breakfast. It is one of my favorite podcasts, so you've got to go listen to it. Uh, Keith, thanks so much, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. All right, Alex, that's the end of our trivia. That's the end of our Western Conference playoff preview. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash NBA show to get The Athletic for $1 a month. That's it. You can even get this show ad-free with that subscription. Before we go, I want to read a couple five-star reviews that we got on Apple Podcasts. This is from at SB Winchester. Five stars. I absolutely love the Saturday Slam and Jam show. You guys are the best fire emojis. Next one is from SF Slim. No matter how bad or how great my week has been, I know that I can always top it off with the Saturday Slam and Jam. I love to play along with Andrew and the beat, and fortunately, I am not humiliated on National Pod like Andrew. Thanks a lot. Uh, keep it up. Your show is the best. Thank you so much for that. And then our last one from this past week comes from Not a Fashionable 1950s. The Slam and Jam is the best of all the Athletic NBA Show weekly segments. It is fun and really engaging. Thanks so much for that. And again, thanks for listening. Go enjoy some basketball. We have Clippers Mavs today. I believe that the, the first tip-off game is Bucks Heat. Could you ask for more? I think we finished the day with Blazers Nuggets, and there's a there's a Celtics Nets game in there somewhere. Holy moly, what a great day of basketball. Go watch it, enjoy it, and we will talk to you guys again next week. <laughs>